0: With you this evening. <clears throat> Would you please turn with me, please, to Revelation. Revelation 15. Revelation 15. to start reading at verse 1, <clears throat> Revelation 15. we we'll read from verse 1 to 3. And it says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is <clears throat> filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, And them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvellous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways thou king of saints. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, our heavenly father, Lord, Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that your word would have preeminence over everything, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for you to expound these scriptures Lord, I pray, Lord, for your spirit to lead and guide this man of clay lips, Lord. Lord Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you would take me out of the way and let them see the glory of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that your word would find a dwelling place in our hearts, Lord. In these end times, Lord, let us rejoice because, Lord, we know. With each day and each month and each year, we are one step closer to the return of our glorious King, to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray once again, Lord, that your spirit would just come, Lord, in our full course this evening. And Lord, lead and guide me in everything that I say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving you thanks. Amen. Just got a drink. As you probably know, <clears throat> this book of Revelation was written by John. And at this time, he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. A very, very small island in the Aegean Sea. It would be between modern day uh, Turkey and Greece. And it's because the emperor at that time, Domitian, was uh, in reign, and he reigned from 81 to 96 AD. And the Christians were under severe persecution at this time. And what it was, he was actually declared themselves, or the emperors at that time had declared themselves gods. So, every everybody had to swear an oath or allegiance onto the emperor. And the emperor's actual title was Master and God. So, if you declared this oath, you had to declare them your Master and God. So, obviously, this wasn't going to happen with the Christians. And they were severely persecuted for it. You'll find in, in Revelation 1 and 9, it says, I, John... Who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ. Was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see, John was given a revelation. But you have to understand what it says at the start of the book in the very first verse. It wasn't a revelation of an antichrist. Or anything like that. It was a revelation of the Christ. Jesus Christ. So John was given the revelation of Jesus Christ. While he was on Patmos. And he was expounding. On what the Lord was going to do. In future events. He was showing the plan of God. For the end of the ages. And so as I've read these verses out we hear there's a victory song that is sung. And it's sung by those who have victory over a beast. And every aspect of this beast, they have victory over it. Now, some people say that the song of Moses is in Deuteronomy 32. And yes, it is. It does say that. At the start of the chapter, it says it's the song of Moses. But you'll notice that this says the song of Moses and of the Lamb. Now, there's only one place where there's the blood atonement of the Lamb and they sing this song and that is after the Red Sea after the Lord had pronounced final judgment on Egypt Miriam starts to sing a song of praise unto <laughs> the Lord so with that in mind I just want to try and get into these verses quickly so if you go to Revelation 15 and 1, I'm going to try and give you a bit of, a bit of background if, as it were onto what these verses are. And it says, I saw a sign in heaven, great and marvelous. So what were these signs that John was seeing that were so great and marvelous? Well, it was the unveiling glory of the sovereignty of Christ. He was starting to see how the Lord was in control of everything. He was starting to see how he was in control of all events that were unfolding before him. He was starting to get the revelation of the complete authority that God had over everything. Notice the words, great and marvelous, as the realization of this plan of God that he saw unveiling before him. The awe he must have had, the wonder he must have had to have been taken up such as it were in the spirit. To see this unveiled before him. So that's why he says great and marvellous they were. But notice this. Along the verse it says seven angels having the seven last plagues filled up with the wrath of God. You'll notice the number seven. And that's the number of Perfection. But you see, this describes these last plagues or vials of God's wrath to be poured out one by one on the earth. But the number of perfection was showing the perfect wrath of God that was to come upon the earth at this time. It was going to be poured out and there were going to be devastating judgments poured out in these vials until the coming of the lord that's what it was and it would take too long to go into each and every vial but what i want is to just try and give you a gist in the next chapter in revelation 16 and 2 you have the first vial and this would have been poured out and this would have been what we know as now as the french revolution This would have started in 1789. And this was a start of a judgment of the Lord upon the earth. As this started to spread. And then this goes all the way through to Revelation 16 and 17. I'm just giving you a brief summary. And that last vial, it says, was poured into the air when you read it. And this was to do with aerial warfare. We get in World War I, they started to do aerial warfare. There was a chemical warfare start to come in. In World War II, we had horrific bombing campaigns. You start to see the aerial warfare really take off. And then as that continues to go on, that southern vial with World War I, where the peace was taken off the earth. And I totally believe that was the start of Armageddon that is leading up to even now. We're starting to see more and more peace taken from the earth. More and more wars throughout. And even what we're living in now, we're living in dubious times when it comes to nations. There's a hot point right where we're living now between some of the biggest superpowers. sure it was only a few days ago that Donald Trump nearly had a strike on Iran. And that would have been the touch paper. So we can see that we're right there. And this one world Babylonian system is going to start to feel the pressure as the days and years and the months go on of these judgments that are being poured out. So if you go to Revelation 15 and 2 and you, and you look at this sea, this sea of glass mingled with fire. So what does this mean? Well, the sea was always a, uh, a symbol. ...in the book of Revelation of people or nations. And you'll notice that they're standing on this sea of glass. This image shows us that a people that have been separated... ...from the nations by this glass. And the Greek for glass here is halunios. And halunios, it means a transparency... ...or a looking glass. Somebody that has been able to have a vision... Or somebody that has been able to see clearly of what is happening. So what this gives us the idea is that through the word of God. These people that are standing on this glass. They are standing on the transparency that they have had of the word of God. In other words, they have been able to see what has been happening in the nations. And they have been able to separate themselves from the false worships. The false religions. That they wouldn't bow down to it because they could see what was happening. They started to see this world system taking over. They no longer wanted any part of it, so they were separated from it. And even when you look through history, you see this. You see men like John Wycliffe, the morning star of the Reformation. He started to see it. You see people like Martin Luther. They started to see it. John Hoss. They all started to see this false religion. They all started to see this false worship. They all started to see this system. This antichrist system was starting to rise up. So mingled with fire. This glass is. This sea of glass. What would that mean? That was the persecutions that come. Those who would not bow the knee. Those who were thrown in the Colosseums. Those who were used as torches to light up the streets of Rome. They were set on fire alive. And we forget this sometimes, but even when Luke and Paul would have been in Rome, it would have been a familiar sight for them to see that as well, as they were writing the letters of the New Testament. Men burning alive because they would not claim an oath to the emperors of Rome. This is what it means. And then in verse 2, it shows you that they'd gotten victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name. So what does this exactly mean? Well, if you turn with me, please, to Revelation 13, <clears throat> and you look at verse 1, it gives you a summary of this beast. It says, And I stood upon the sea, sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. This beast came up out of the sea or out of the nations, it started to rise. It was a political and religious anti Christ system. That's what it was. And this represented the pagan Roman Empire. It means that this beast system or this pagan Roman Empire arose from a people that started to gather more and more control. That's what it means. And they started to rise more and more and they started to control everything that was happening without the nations where they were. The seven heads... Now this was symbolized by the seven hilled city of Rome, but also it was symbolized by the seven forms of government of the Roman Empire, because you had kings, you had consuls, you had dictators, you had demimers, which were a council of ten magistrates, you had military tribunes, you had Caesars, and you had Emperors. So then we see, as the description gives us, ten horns with the crowns. So what was this? This was the ten individual kingdoms that formed after the division of the Roman Empire into the West and the East. When the Roman Empire was starting to collapse, these Gothic kingdoms start to arose and start to destroy the Roman Empire. You had the Bavarians, the Franks, the Burundians, Alemans, the Sarves, the Visigoths, the Alans, Ostrogoths, the Lombards, and the Vandals. So these were the ten that started to destroy Rome. These were the ten that started to rise up. And then we look in the verse when it says his image. So what was the image of this beast system? If you let your eye run down to verse 2 in Revelation 13. And it says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Well, these beasts you'll also find in Daniel chapter 7 verses 1 to 7. Well, what they do is they represent empires. They represent the leopard is Greece. The feet of the bear was the Medio persian empire. And the mouth of the lion was the Babylonian empire. So what does it mean by <clears throat> the image? What has this got to do with the image? Well, the image was that each one of these kingdoms would have had a part of government. That Rome would have taken. So they would have taken these uh, administrations from each part of Babylonia, of of, of the Medo Persians, and of and of the um, the Greeks. They would have took all these parts of their administrative systems, and then they would have put them and made them their own. So they were almost making a mirror image. They were making a mirror image. So this this was the the image of it. But what they were doing was then they were forcing all these governmental systems onto everybody else around them. So then it says about the mark. They got victory over the mark and over the number of his name. So what does that mean? You look at Revelation 14 and 9. This tells you about a mark. says this and the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand notice this in his forehead or in his hand not on it's not on the hand not on the forehead it's in the mark in their right hand was a person's occupation and the mark in their forehead was the mindset of the faith or the worship. You see, the language that would have been adapted at that time was Latin. And everybody was forced to use Latin. Everybody. So you would have to speak Latin even if you wanted to trade with that empire. You'd had to speak Latin, you'd had to write it, you'd have do, done all your commerce in that. But in that, for you to, to, to write or to learn Latin, then you would add, again, to give your allegiance to the Roman Empire and the Roman Emperor. So you would have to make him your God. So this is what it's talking about when it says in their foreheads. It was a mindset that they were pushing on to people. This is what you need to do to trade with us. This is what you need to do if you want us to continue trading with you. Now, I'm telling you something now. People say, well, you know, this is all old fashioned. This is all old hat. What are you telling us for? Well, let me tell you something now. You see the big Hollywood companies. They've said they're not going to go to states that promote abortion, they're not going to go to places that that, uh, are in line with Christianity, that hold the values of Christianity. Do you think that's any different from what they were doing there? Do you see they try to hold people to ransom? Well, we're not going to trade with you unless your political ideas will match up with ours. And you see, this is what's happening today, brother. This is what's happening today, sister. You've got to watch out for it. And doesn't it sound familiar, even in our own country? I'm sure, we have a European Union that's doing the same. Well, sure, if you don't do what we want you to do, we're not going to trade with you. Sure, we're not going to give you a deal. Who wants to deal with them anyway? Okay. You know, when you've got Lord, the Lord on your side, what do you need the European Union for? Boris Johnson needs to know that as well. <laughs> oh, let, don't get me started on it. Anyway, <clears throat> let's move on. So it says the number of his name. Now, obviously, everybody knows this number is is 666, isn't it? We've all heard of it, the, the frightening, terrifying number that everybody seems to be very scared of. But what it is, is if you look in the Greek, there's a word there that says Latinos. And Latinos, if you actually look, there's a numerical value to each and every number in, in, the, in the Greek alphabet. So Latinos actually means Latin man. So if you actually put these numbers together in Latin, man, it actually comes up to 666. That's what it does. So that's the number. So you can see, then that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to push everything on. And this is the people that had the victory over them. They wouldn't bow to this image. They they wouldn't, they wouldn't trade with them. They wouldn't have anything to do with the worship. They wouldn't have anything to do with the system. And so that's why the persecution come. And that's why they're standing there singing the song of Moses in verse 3. Revelation 15 verse 3. They're singing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. You see, the thing is, the Lamb represented the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were covered in the blood. They were under his blood. But the song of Moses was that they had the victory. That they would not bow down to it. And that they knew that when they didn't bow down to it, then the Lord, no matter what happened to their bodies, the Lord would come and he would take them into his kingdom, no matter what happened. So we have this. So what has this got to do with Revelation? Well, you will find brother and sister many, many times in Revelation. There's a few references to Exodus in Revelation. Revelation. A few times you will hear of even one of the cases is it calls um, in Revelation It call about spiritual Egypt. It talks about this in Revelation and it talks about this, the system of things of being spiritual Egypt. So you see that there's a reference there to the Exodus in Revelation. I'll come to that verse later on. So if you want to go with me to Exodus 15 and I want to show you a few things in Exodus 15 this is the song that was sung after the Lord had guided them through the Red Sea and destroyed the Egyptians now, look at this. It says, And then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider have he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So Miriam starts to sing this song after the very, very best of the troops of Egypt have been completely destroyed. Now I just want to show you something in this. You see, when we had the Passover in Egypt, the blood was applied. And as the blood was applied, you all know, the Lord passed over. There was a terrible judgment come on the Egyptians. But you see, when the children of Israel left, in Exodus 13 and 20, it tells us this. They left Egypt and they journeyed to a place called Sukkoth. And it says... And they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And then if you go to, if you look at Exodus 14, 1 and 2, you will see it says this. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Parahiroth between Midol and the sea over against Bal-Zephron. Before it shall ye encamp by the sea. So you'll notice they had the blood on the doorpost. Then they were brought out. They camped at Suthkos, Etham, and then a place called Pyahirot, which means green pastures. And then what happened was they actually went through the midst. Of the Red Sea over to the other side. Now you say, "Well, what's all this then?" The blood was applied. There were three days in the earth, and then they went through the Red Sea. The blood, the Lord Jesus Christ died. He spent three days in the earth, and he rose again on the third day. It was a beautiful picture. The Exodus was of the cross, and one of the greatest victories this world has ever seen. But notice this as well. The crucifixion afterwards. He tells the disciples, go to the upper room. Stay there until the Holy Spirit will descend upon you. Stay there. So this is what they did. They went to the upper room. Our Lord was crucified and the fire fell upon them. You notice something as well. What were the children of Israel led by? Pillar of fire. The fire of God. What were the disciples led by? The Holy Spirit. The fire of God. You see, it's amazing when you start to look in the Bible that you see what the Lord is doing. And you see the pattern and the plan that he has. So I just want to give you a brief summary of Exodus chapter 15 and Revelation 15. I'm just going to go through a few other similarities here. I've listed them all. So in Exodus 15, it gives you plagues of judgment. In Revelation 15, you have the same plagues of judgment. In Exodus 15, you have the Red Sea. In Revelation 15, you have the Sea of Glass. Exodus 15 is a theme of divine judgment. So is Revelation 15. Exodus 15, you have a song of deliverance. Revelation 15, you have a song of deliverance. Exodus 15 is a song by the sea, so you have in Revelation 15. And Exodus 15, you have a pillar of fire through the sea. And in Revelation 15, you have the fire in the sea also. As I said, in Revelation 11, you'll see there's a reference. You don't have to turn to it. You'll see there's a reference. It talks about the two witnesses and it says their bodies shall lie in the streets of the great city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. So what does this, what would that actually mean? This would mean as Sodom and Egypt, this gives us the illustration of a political bondage and a religious idolatry. Just as it was in the days of our Lord, there was a religious system of the Jewish Sanhedrin, but there was a political power that was the Roman Empire. So we know then that this system of things has always been there because we start to see it as it was in Egypt. The first glimpse we get of this Antichrist system. So in Exodus 15, if you'd like to turn there, Exodus 15. I'll let your eye run down to verse 8, and it says, "And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were were gathered together; the flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea." The enemy said, "I will pursue; I will overtake; I will divide the spoil." My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. This is the first glimpse we start to get. You know how we talk about an anti-Christ system. You heard about even in the book of Revelation about the dragon. And there's no introduction needs to be known about the dragon. Because I'm sure we're all sure what the dragon is. It's that old serpent, the devil himself. But you see, even as we hear ear of the enemy. You notice, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, I will draw my sword. Does that sound familiar to you? Because it's funny, Lucifer in Isaiah 14 says, I will ascend into the heavens, I will exalt, exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will Sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So we can see that the power behind Egypt was the same power that's in the world system. It's the same power that was behind the Roman Empire. in Exodus 13 in Exodus sorry 15 and 13 it says thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed thou hast guided them in thy strength unto the holy habitation you see <clears throat> the conclusion of all of this is as the blood of the lamb in Egypt signified the end of the influence of Egypt on God's people The Lord's death on the cross gave us the victory over the powers of Satan. We have the victory. And as you know the story of the Exodus, we also know that every plague that went, things started to get worse for God's people. Because every plague, every judgment, he was squeezing that system. And he was saying, let my people go. But he totally and utterly destroyed it, bit by bit. God by God, Egypt were not left in any doubt who was in control. No doubt whatsoever that the Lord was in control and that they had to let his people go. What do you think happening today? says about the plagues in revelation the seven vials or the seven plagues of god what do you think that the lord is doing today it's still that same cry let my people go it's still pouring out the judgments upon the earth that's why we're seeing the rumblings that's why we're starting to see the nations rise against nations but you see even as he did with the children of israel he led them through the midst of the seas. The sea, as I said, was a symbol of the nations. What do you think he's doing today, brother and sister? He's raising up people in the nations. And then those one day he's going to lead them through them seas of nations with a fire of the spirit. Because he's coming again to lead you out. He is the Lord. And you see spiritual Egypt. You see the world system. It's going to come crashing down around it. But they're gonna come after us with everything that they've got. Because you see, when they were in Egypt, it said the Pharaoh hardened his heart. This world system's gotta harden its heart. But you see the Lord, he's gotta break it to pieces. He's gotta smash it. And by the time he's done with it, the world's gonna be in no doubt who is upon the throne. It'll be the Lord Jesus Christ. He will lead us through it. He will show us victory. He will give us victory. And this is what we see in the book of Revelation. So why are they singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb? Because they're rejoicing, because they're covered in the blood. They're rejoicing for the servant of Moses and singing that song because they know, just as it was in the Exodus, the Lord's coming back and he's going to lead his people again out of this world system and he's going to break it apart. That's why they're singing the song of Moses. And that's why they're singing the song of the Lamb. Brother and sister, we have got plenty to rejoice in this evening we've got plenty to give glory to the lord even though things may seem to get dark at times let me tell you brother and sister it's just the lord releasing the grip of the world off his people i hope you got something out of this evening god bless you and let the worship team come up